How's everybody doing this morning? Good to see you. Um, those that are alive with me this morning, others of you may listen to this uh, at a later hour, a different day, a different time, a different decade. Who knows uh, when you might uh, end up listening to this. Uh, we're getting into a chapter this morning, uh, a section that uh, I think the church does a bad job of. Uh, a bad job of dealing with this particular topic, with this particular subject uh, that we're going to be dealing with this morning. And I, I, I just want to be upfront in saying that. Uh, and I think it's unhelpful. I, I think it, it leads to a lot of uh, younger people uh, that are not married, maybe brought up in the church, going off uh, and sowing wild oats when they don't need to do that. But some of what has happened over the years is is what I think uh, unfortunate uh, 
bad teaching uh, about the subject that we're going to be getting into today. So, First uh, Corinthians chapter seven is is where we are. I'm going to take us uh, over there here in just a moment and. Uh, uh, Here we go. First Corinthians chapter 7. It says, Now for the master uh, matters you wrote about, it's good for a man not to marry. Now apparently they had written to Paul and asked a question. What about marriage? Uh, and probably what was going on is in their day, they're thinking, well, if, if the Lord's going to come back again soon anyway, should we even get married? Does that make sense that we would get married? And uh, so Paul's going to address that issue. Uh, but uh uh, and that, we really do believe, that is the driving factor, the driving force that is behind the question. But then Paul gets into a lot more uh, as he gives the answer. Should a person get married? That That is the question at hand. Uh, again, driving that is the fact that they really believed in the imminent return of Christ. They, they thought that he was going to return any time uh, and... Frankly, we should be thinking that way as well, that Christ is going to return at any time. And uh, that that would drive us in, in, in our decision-making. That would drive us in our evangelism. That would drive us in our worship. That would drive us in, in all of these different things, uh, all these different categories, how we approach life, how we approach money, how we approach marriage, how we approach dating, how we approach all of those things, it, but for them, I mean, remember the gospel, the, the life of Jesus was was so uh, really fresh uh, to them. They're now maybe within twenty years uh, after Christ has uh, ascended, uh, tw- twenty years or less even uh, after uh, uh, the ministry of Jesus, the death, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. So it's it's within a very, very close proximity, and he told them to be ready, to be watching the parables we think about in Matthew, Matthew's gospel particularly. Um, and so they're, they're saying, if this is the case, should we get married? So Paul addresses the issue, uh, and, and what does he say uh, about the issue? That's what we want to look at here. This morning, and uh, give consideration to uh, just exactly how Paul answers this. He says, It is good for man not to marry. Now, why would he say that? He would say that, and you will see later on down in some verses here where, where he will, and we might not even get to this today. Uh, it might be tomorrow when we get to this. It probably will be tomorrow when we get to this, but. But he's going to say the fact of the matter is, if if you're married, uh, then you have to give a certain amount of your uh, energy to the marriage. You have a marriage partner. You have a husband. You have a wife. Uh, If you're a woman, you have a husband. If you're a man, you have a wife. Um, Biblically speaking, uh, there is not, you know, husband and husband and wife and wife uh, situation. Of course. They don't call it that. They say there's uh, this this man is the husband and this man is the wife, or this woman is the husband and this woman is the wife. Oftentimes that is how they do this, or they call each other wife, call each other. Anyway, 
the idea of marriage reserved for man and woman. That is the biblical teaching, and, and there's, in fact, uh, part of our family uh, asked questions yesterday even about uh, about this very issue, and uh, uh, because of some Christians, these are progressive Christians who actually are abandoning the truth of Scripture, uh, who are saying things uh, like, uh, you know, we really don't have the, the translations right here. Uh, the German translation particularly was brought up uh, uh, in how it deals with homosexuality as an example. And it really wasn't dealing with homosexuality. It was dealing with uh, uh, pedophilia and not homosexuality and, and so on and so forth, which I never had read that, never seen that. I said, I'm going to have to research that some more and see what is behind that. Um, but p- part of it has to do with, with words and how to translate words into different languages. But this says it is good for a man not to marry. Now, why would Paul say such a thing? Is marriage that bad? Well, Paul himself wasn't even married. He will go on later in this chapter, and we will we will hit it again tomorrow, where he will say, look, if you're married, uh, you're going to have to give consideration to taking care of the needs of your spouse. And you're going to have a divided interest. If you're unmarried, you are fully free to serve the Lord fully without concern for, hey, am I going to be home in time for dinner? Uh, uh, I have to consider what what my spouse's uh, work schedule is or what they want to do for vacation or where they want to go serve the Lord. Or And it's true. Uh, before I was married... Uh, now, I, I, I was still young when I was married. I think it was 24 uh, when I got married. Um, but I had had a, a year and a half of ministry before I was married, and uh, I could come and go as I wanted to come and go. Wendy lived in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I lived in uh, uh, Segertown, Pennsylvania, uh, 325 miles apart, and uh, I I wasn't thinking every day I need to check in and, and find out what time dinner is going to be. I could eat when I wanted to eat. Uh, I could have Bible studies every single night of the week if I wanted to. As long as I was writing her letters and calling her on the phone, it was all good. But once marriage happened, that all changed. And uh, I'm not regretting it. I, I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my children. But the thing that Paul is saying here is if you're married, then then there's a divided interest. If you're dating even, there's a divided interest. If you are able to remain single, uh, and I know that a number of you are single, perhaps not by choice, uh, some some as uh, widows or widowers, uh, some as divorcees, Paul will say even to you, if you're able to live in that lot, live in that lot, live in that way. Verse 1 again, he says, it is good for a man not to marry. And I I think fairly you can say it's good for a woman not to marry. He's not speaking only to the men now in their cultural day. It might have been received by more men than women, but I would say in our day, he's saying if you're a person and you can stand married, stand married. But then he says this in verse 2, but since there's so much immorality, each of you should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So there you go. In verse 2, he he does talk about men having a wife and a woman having her husband. Again, biblically, 
man woman relationship uh, a, a man as a husband a, a woman as a wife they should each have their own wife now why do you say because there's so much immorality now think about this in our day because there's so much immorality even in our day it makes it tough it makes it challenging it makes it difficult uh, and I talked about this some yesterday. I mean, we look around. Television is an example of that. I mean, they talk about anything on television for commercials anymore. And, you know, they have men and women prancing around in their underwear uh, on uh, doing commercials. Uh, they will have... Um, uh, there, There is... Um, I saw a comment there. The bikinis and, and, and what they wear and the kissing and more and more you'll, you you can see on uh, regular television uh, nudity and, and, and all of those different things because there is so much of that uh, walking through. And I don't I don't know that magazine covers. I, I don't even notice magazines in grocery stores uh, anymore or anywhere. Really, I'm not looking. I'm not thinking about. But but I, I even this week I was listening to a, a, a Adrian Rogers uh, who is deceased now, but listening to just a little clip of a message, and he was talking about even getting through the grocery store, the checkout, and even put blinders on because of what's on magazine covers. It is all around us. They put it on billboards. Uh, it, it's it's everywhere, uh, and, and this is where Paul says in verse two. Uh, since there is so much immorality. Well, and that, on top of that, is the fact that in Corinth, I mean, they worship sex. They worship the, the goddesses of sex. And um, they probably had um, uh, shrines or, or, or what they would have even called perhaps temples and, and temple prostitutes, male prostitutes, female prostitutes. And because of, of how rampant sexuality was in the Corinthian culture, Paul writes these words, each person should have their own husband or their own wife. Now, I, I do want to jump over for just one moment into, uh, into, the, uh, in, into the comments here and... Uh, Take a look. Uh, Walter had said this. He said, it's interesting that even in a homosexual marriage, there's still the need to hold on to the design God created without each person uh, in the relationship realizing it. And, and I think what Walter's getting at, and you can clarify this, Walter, since it is in the comments. I mean, you're not saying you're okay with homosexual marriage, but what you are saying is that even in homosexual marriage, there there, there is a commitment in that sense of design to hold on to the design that God had of commitment. I think, I think that's what you're saying. Uh, and you can correct me. I, I know you well. I, I don't think you're saying that you the homosexual marriage is, is okay, but there is that commitment. And, and yes, and he's saying, yes, that, that's exactly it. So, uh, I am just wanting to, to clarify that and, Realizing what I'm looking at here, looking funny in my uh, in, in my screen. Um, truth, absolutely. Uh, 
In fact, I would say this. I have acquaintances, I have friends uh, who are in homosexual marriages that in some ways they do better in their marriages than some people who are in what I would call God-sanctioned marriages. Uh, they work harder at their relationship. They work harder with their kids. They work, and maybe it's because they have to. So in, in that sense of, of design, uh, yes, I, I would say that that is true. Um, and that's where those of us who are in uh, heterosexual relationships, heterosexual marriages, uh, need to make sure that we're getting it right according to God's design as well. And in and, and, and this passage that we're looking at today, Paul deals with, with some of this in, in ways that uh, we don't often talk about uh, in the life of the church. So he says in verse 3, <clears throat> The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. Now, we could stop right there uh, uh, and discuss what does it mean, marital duty. I mean, there's there's much that we could talk about uh, regarding uh, roles. Is he talking about the roles? I mean, who who's going to cook? Who's going to do the dishes? Who's going to do the laundry? Who's going to cut the grass? Who's going to pay the bills? Uh, is that what he's talking about here in terms of marital duty? And, and we're going to get in. He's going to define what he means here by marital duty. Uh, he's not talking about roles, but that, that is something significant that could be talked about. You know, what are the roles? What are the things that we need to be thinking about in terms of Marriage and, and when I do pre-marriage counseling, that's one of the questions I ask: is, is who's going to who's going to handle the checkbook? Who's going to handle the bills? Uh, I mean, how are you going to handle the housework? Are you both working? You know, if if one of you isn't working in this day, sometimes it's the the wife who's working, the wife who can land the better job, perhaps, uh, and so the the wife works, or the husband is the one staying home and raising the children and teaching the children, being the teacher, being that influence. Um, and I'm not saying whether that should or shouldn't be. I'm just saying it is. Uh, or if it's a case where the husband's working and the wife is staying home, I mean, uh, isn't it reasonable to think that a man comes home and if, if the wife isn't working, that he shouldn't come home and also have to? Or, or inversely, if it's a wife that's working in the husband's home, she shouldn't have to come home and cook the dinner, and do the dishes, and do the laundry, and do all those things. I mean, whoever is staying home as their full-time vocation, uh, that would be their responsibility to take care of those types of things. In our home, uh, it's we share the responsibility, and we, we share the responsibility uh, because uh, both of us work, and so we, we share the load. We, we share the responsibility in that way, but that isn't what we're talking about here. We're talking about sexuality in the Christian marriage. So let me get us back into that uh, section. As he talks about marital duty, in verse 4, he begins to describe what it means. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Um, I know I know Christians who who would be aghast, and I'm sure they've read this, but they they probably skip over it or read it real fast because it's uncomfortable. Um, for some people, not for me, 
Uh, I, I know some Christians who think that, that sexuality and marriage is only for the purpose of procreation. And if you don't know what procreation means, it means to have kids. And that's it, you know. So if you have, if you want to have a child, you have sexual relationship, and that's the only time. No, I I, I vehemently disagree with that. Um, that that is not the case. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, Paul says, but also to her husband. In the same way, the wife's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Now you you, you juxtapose that with with the the the. The war cry of, of the feminist movement or the, the woman's movement. What am I? It's my body, my choice. To which I would say, then you know what? If it's your choice, then don't have sex, so you don't get don't get pregnant. That would be what I would say. I mean, uh, that, to me, it just is ludicrous that that cry. Uh, my body, my choice. You know, I should have the right to have an abortion. Well, you should also have the right to be responsible. Or as educated and as intelligent as we are in the 21st century, you should know better and not get pregnant in the first place. That that would be my response uh, to to that. Paul says this in a marital relationship: your body belongs as well, not only to yourself but also to your spouse. He says it so clearly, and he goes on and says this in verse five. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Sexuality. When he talks about the body here in verse 4, he makes it abundantly clear that he's talking about sexuality. Um, the wife's body does not belong to her alone. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone. I mean, this would be, for those of you that are married, uh, this would be a great section of Scripture to to talk about as a married couple. Uh, frankly, uh, we, we often are not good at being uh, open and honest with our spouses to talk about such things. Um there is a duty that a husband has to a wife. There is a, a duty that a wife has to a husband, and it shouldn't only be duty. Uh, I, I think that sex is a wonderful gift from God. God is the one who designed us biologically the way that we are designed. It is God who put nerve endings in certain places uh, for our pleasure. God designed us in that way for for that pleasure. Uh, and there, there's there's you know the the dopamine, the serotonins, all all the various chemicals in the body that the the various hormones that are a part of of uh, sexual experience, sexual arousal, sexual release, uh, all of that. God put those things there, and yes, they may serve other purposes beyond sexuality, but they are also something that are a strong factor in our sexuality. And Paul is indicating, Paul is teaching here that what we should be doing is taking care of the needs of our spouse. Uh, I've known men that have said, I haven't been sexually active with my wife in years uh, because she doesn't want to. She thinks it's bad. She thinks it's unholy. Wait a minute. Time out. What, what does the Bible say? Uh, I, I can take you. What about the Song of Solomon? Well, those 
people who would say that would say, well, that, that is really all symbolic of Christ and his church. Well, why would the writer, why would God see, see to it that the Song of Solomon makes it into the Bible when it is such a sexual book? And yes, if you read the Song of Solomon and it sounds sexual, yes, it likely is. And uh, everything from, from oral sex to um, various parts of the body to fulfillment to desire, all of those things. It, it is quite actually an erotic book in many, many ways. Uh, but it speaks to relationship, husband and wife. We have a duty. So, Walter, I hope we haven't scared you away as you've got to run um, We'll be back at this subject again tomorrow, uh, and we're going to talk about single people again more tomorrow. So uh, have a great day, my friend. Uh, but to be sexually uh, appropriate within marriage, to to take care of uh, one another in marriage, uh, you know, the body changes as we get older, and... Uh, uh, sometimes it's men who have uh, have issues. Uh, sometimes it's women who have issues. Sometimes hormones change in such a way that it's just there's zero desire that uh, that, that might be a part of life. Um, and, and so, what do you do? What do you do if you're a wife uh, and your hormones have changed? You've reached that 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 magical, mystical, or is it awful age? where uh, there's just no desire there anymore. But you have a, 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 a husband who is still very desirous. You try to meet his needs. You try to meet your husband where he is and, and, and find ways to... And, and there are all kinds of ways that I don't need to get into the mechanics of all of those things that you can bring fulfillment to your husband, um, sexual fulfillment to your husband. Uh same way, if you're a husband and and, and you uh, are in this place and you like the desires are gone, but you have a wife who still has desires. Actually, if you take what is in just these few verses here, the argument could be made: you have responsibility to fulfill your wife sexually and to figure out ways to do that. And there are ways. To do that, I it is not my intent to get into uh, on a broadcast like this all the mechanics of that. But what I will tell you is this: uh, I believe in those ways, and I believe husbands and wives need to talk about these things. I believe husbands and wives need to be adventurous with one another. Uh, I I believe that uh, husbands and wives need to fulfill each other. I I believe that you know you you can come to a place of. Uh, uh, mutual fulfillment with each other, uh, e- even in later years, I believe that can happen. I mean, sometimes I have older people who will ask me, well, what about me? What about us? Uh, there are things, there are ways, there are, there, there are means of bringing sexual satisfaction into your marriage and to keep it there. Uh, verse 5, and I'm going to land on verse 5, because I'm almost out of time, it says, uh, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time. He says, don't just do it for years. Uh, bad teaching of the church that sex is dirty. Uh, sex outside of marriage is dirty. 
Uh, sex outside of marriage is inappropriate, but sex within marriage is a wonderful gift from God uh, that we should fully enjoy. He says, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time. When he says for a time, it's like, don't keep on doing this so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. In other words, you take the break sexually for spiritual reasons. You take the break sexually so that you you can pursue the Lord. That that is what Paul is saying here. Then he says in verse 5, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So what happens is if you're a husband uh, and you're holding out on your wife or you're a wife and you're holding out on your husband, uh, you, you know, you might be aiding and abetting them uh, into pornography. Now you could say, well, no, that, that's, the, that's the spouse's problem. Well, to a certain measure, but, but the things that Paul says here, I, I think there is a mutuality to this that, uh, you know, if if you're holding out on your spouse, you can actually be uh, hindering them uh, and, and allowing Satan to, to tempt them, allowing the flesh to tempt them. And, and so we have a responsibility um, to take care of the sexual needs of our spouse. This doesn't need to be abusive. It doesn't need to be, but it's something you, you, you need to think through. When I do pre-marriage counseling, I, I'll talk to people, I'll, I'll say, now, sadly, I'll say this. Most people that I am pre-marriage counseling, most, uh, I, I've only had two couples, actually. Uh, two younger couples. I, I'll just stick with younger couples that have said to me that, no, take it back, three uh, in, in the last uh, 20 years that have told me that they haven't been sexually active. Now, it isn't that they haven't. You know, been tempted. It isn't that there hasn't been some petting or some of those things. Uh, and I'll say to them, you, you guys really need to talk about, you know, what will be acceptable in your sexual fulfillment and sexual expressions within your marriage. You really need to talk about that. Um, many people, unfortunately, have abandoned the Lord's standard and have already been sexually active before marriage. Uh, but even then, you need to talk about what will be acceptable. Uh, within marriage uh, between the two of you, you know, I, and I'm not going to get all in, into all the mechanics and the specifics of that, but I will tell you, uh, it, it can be, sex can be, should be, has been for me often uh, a wonderful gift from the Lord, uh, and it's something that, that you can enjoy within marriage and should enjoy within marriage. And in fact, I will even conclude with this this morning. Really, the only New Testament reason that Paul gives for marriage is is better to marry than to burn, which is a verse that we'll look at tomorrow. Uh, if, if you can't maintain yourself sexually, uh, or you need to have that, and, and I believe there are more reasons than that, but, but Paul underscores sexuality as a reason for marriage in this particular chapter. I think it's because of love. I think it's because of companionship, and all those other things are a part of the equation in why we get married. But in this chapter, Paul will say it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So if you're single, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, if you're married, uh, talk to your spouse. You know, uh, here's a great old book uh, intended for pleasure. 
by Ed and Gail Wheat. It is it is a, a classic. Uh, I I would I still recommend that book. Uh, another book uh, is by Mark and Grace Driscoll, and I'm dropping the title of it right now. But it's about marriage. It's a red cover. It's another really good book, and it does get into a few chapters on on uh, sexuality and marriage. Really, really good book uh, for Christians to to think about. Well, friends, you've had enough today. I'm going to let you go. Lord, help us to live in a way that honors you, that honors you in public, that honors you in marriage, that honors you in singleness. Lord, help us to live in ways to to honor and to glorify you and. Again, today we pray that you'd stop the war in Ukraine. We pray that you'd stop the war uh, that's uh, taking place in Israel and Gaza. uh, And that you would prevent the war. That's our prayer. But Lord, also we pray that if you are setting the world stage for, for the next things to happen, then help our eyes to be open and aware of those things as well. So Father, hear our prayer today. Help us to live for you in all we think, say, and do in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, friends. I'll see you tomorrow.